we've actually got just before Patrick was uh, hauled out by Kathleen Kennedy, he managed to send us in his review. So uh, let's hear what his score is as well. It's a seven point five. Well, here we are again. Welcome to the Little Film Podcast. My name's Adam, and with me tonight we've got Tony. Hey. Dave. Hello. And Ollie. Hello. How's it going, everyone? You pumped up? You ready for this? Pumped. Ready to go? I've got a bad feeling about this. <laughs> That's good. He's been saving that one up, hasn't he? <laughs> yeah. Second time today I've made that joke. He's, he'd written it down, and he's closing his notebook now. <laughs> Job done. Cheers, Dave. It's the four of us tonight. No, no Patrick again. If, if anyone's wondering where... What's become of Patrick? We uh, regrettably have to announce that due to creative differences with Disney executives, he's been fired from the podcast. Mid-recording. Mid-recording. <laughs> <laughs> he got, got hauled out by the collar yeah. by Kathleen Kennedy. But a new set of directors now and a new recording. A new impetus. A new hope. Did you get cool. it? Yeah, yeah. it cool. Yeah. 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 cool. It's really cool, isn't it? Well, sharp-witted members of the audience may have worked out from those several hilarious gags there, or from looking at the title of the episode on their phone, what film we're talking about tonight. But you know, who wants to who wants to give us the uh, the official confirmation? What are we talking about? Solo, a Star Wars story. First question, Tane. You saw this at the cinema on Monday night. Yeah. What screen were you in? Screen one. Wow, the the Premier League of screens. Top billing. Uh, yeah, the City World in Jersey. Nice. About five other people in there. I don't know how long. I was gonna say I don't know how much longer that cinema is gonna be open for, to be honest. I don't I mean, yeah. All films are now aimed at kids, aren't they? So I guess most of the cinema going that happens happens during the daytime. But there was an eight thirty showing of a not very old film mm. on a Monday night. Like Monday's a great cinema night. So yeah, anyway. Snacks? Uh, no snacks. Yeah, no, no snacks, snacks. in the cinema. No snacks. I want to diet. No revels. No. Just a glass of tap no water. No snacks. <laughs> no. I can't. Let's right, move I on beyond the snacks. I can't sit through a thing. film without any snacks. <laughs> you're part of the problem. <laughs> <laughs> part of which problem? <laughs> I don't know. There's a problem there, and you're part, part of your of it. problem. Yeah. Because you get peer pressured into buying snacks. Well, it sounds like you had a great time in there, Tone. Just yeah. you and five other people. I mean, perhaps perhaps we can get into it later on, but you know. Does it say something about the uh, about the film itself that there are only five other people in there? Does it speak to a wider issue? All this and more later I'll, on. What I'll start doing is actually counting up the number of people in the screen. Maybe there's some sort of algorithm we can come up with, like number of days since release, number of people in the screening with me. That sounds absolutely fascinating, and I, I really look forward. <laughs> I'll run you through the whole process. <laughs> is uh, Scream One a big one as well? Is that like one it's of the quite big? Screens? Yeah, it's quite big. They're all big there, though, aren't they? Yeah. yeah. All right, well, let's get into it. I should say up top, as always, that there's going to be massive spoilers coming up. This is very much what we do on this podcast, isn't it? Is This, this is a, a review for people who have seen the movie. The four of us have all seen this within the last few days, but for anyone who's seen it uh, a bit longer ago, perhaps we should uh, refresh our memories of as what it's about. Ollie, I think you've got a little plot synopsis there. I do indeed. This is from Rotten Tomatoes. Board the Millennium Falcon and journey to a galaxy far, far away in Solo, a Star Wars story, an all-new adventure with the most beloved scoundrel in the galaxy. Through a series of daring escapades deep within a dark and dangerous criminal underworld, Han Solo meets his mighty feature co-pilot, Chewbacca, and encounters notorious gambler, Lando Calrissian, in a journey that will set the course of one of the Star Wars saga's most unlikely heroes. And I can't believe I can pronounce Lando's Lando Calrissian. Yeah. But also the look on your face is like you'd never seen that yeah. character's <laughs> name before. It's like, Notorious gambler, Lando Calrissian? That was like Donald Trump's State of the Union. Just like absolutely astonished by the words coming out of your own mouth. I apologise. No, it's a nice summary though. It's funny because yeah, when we reviewed Last Jedi as well, you sort of credentialed yourself as a big star wars fan I and mean, then just just like he meets his future friend lando <laughs> calrissian okay well obviously we're gonna 
get into what we think about the movie, but let's let's first of all hear what some of the other notable critics of the movie world have our had to peers. say about it. Our, our peers, <laughs> our inferiors, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Our, our contemporaries. Yeah. Um, Tony, you've our got colleagues. the re- you've got the reviews from the major review aggregator sites there. Yeah, and I'll give you a flavour of it now. Uh, IMDb seven point two. Rotten Tomatoes, 71%. Metacritic, 62%. So it's pretty solid all around there. Pretty solid. What about our reviews then? The scores on the doors. I'm excited about this. I have no idea what everyone's going to think about this film. I'm excited to hear it too. Tony, you said uh, before we started recording that you think they were all going to have more or less the same feeling. Yes. You think our scores are going to be very similar? That's my prediction. I think, we'll, I think we'll all be in the same ballpark. So we'll see if you're right. Um, actually, we... Tony went to see it on his own in Jersey. The, the other three of us went to see it together at the Mallard. Um, and yeah, I'm excited to, to hear what we have to say because we had that very awkward thing Car where we, yeah, <laughs> we came out of the cinema and we've decided that we're not going to talk about movies that we've seen until we do it on the podcast. Uh, so we just had like a 20 minute drive home, more or less in silence, while we uh, tried to think of other things we could talk about. So we don't know what we all thought about it. Who wants to kick us off? Ollie. Ollie, do you want to give us your score out of 10? <laughs> oh, so who wants what? to be a millionaire? <laughs> Suspense yeah. is killing me. Oh, my word. That was okay, a roller coaster. Here we go, watching you. God. 7.5. Adam. 7.5. Tony. 7.5. F off, mate. That was literally, I could have written it, should have written it down. Dave? I feel like I want to join you guys there, but I'm, it's just a seven from me. Oh. Oh. Just to annoy Tony, right? <laughs> yeah. <Just to laughs> I, thought about, down, 7.5. thought about jumping up half a mark just to be part of the gang, but no, I'll right. stick with a seven. Well, we've actually, uh, we've actually got, just before Patrick was uh, hauled out by Kathleen Kennedy, he managed to send us in his review. So uh, let's hear what his score is as well. It's a 7.5. Oh! Oh! <laughs> <laughs> this actually really annoys me, Tone, that you were right about this. Just had that o- feeling. Almost right. I'm sort of riding solo on the 7 there, aren't I? Oh, yeah. 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 yeah, that's good. Need yeah. to get a handle on those. He's opened up his little notebook again and now he's closed it. <laughs> um, okay, so we're, we're all at 7.5 apart from Dave with a 7, more or less all the same scores, but I wonder if we all liked the same things. Should we talk about why Dave hated it? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I also, it's a remarkably, it's only a point off the score I gave for The Last Jedi, but I uh, I actually really enjoyed this and I really didn't enjoy (laughs) The Last Jedi. So, What did you give Last Jedi? I gave it a six because I thought that if people didn't like Star Wars, they'd really enjoy the film, but I didn't like it. So it was a really bizarre way of reviewing the film. Mm. Patrick's giving you... A, a lot of grief in he the, in the five months since we recorded that episode yeah. for giving that a six and then slating it throughout the recording. Yeah, because um, I didn't like it at all. Okay. We're going to start talking about the Last Jedi again, aren't we? Yeah, because <laughs> <laughs> sit down for another two hours. Yeah. Listeners to the podcast have already heard us talk about Star Wars for a long time, uh, but let's let's do more of it now. So yeah, Dave, what did you hate about it? <laughs> uh, I I didn't hate it. Obviously, no, I, what, 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 I really enjoyed it. I thought it was a, I thought it was a really fun film. I thought it was very throwaway, and I didn't think it was high on. There was no balance of like you know like the galaxy in peril or anything like that, which I'm used to from a Star Wars film. It was the worst possible thing that could happen is the main characters die, but I already know he dies in a later film. Mm. So I, I I thought like that balance of worry about what was going on in the film wasn't there that's kind of a problem with prequels to anything isn't it and perhaps one of the things that the this the other star wars prequels suffered from as well as being terrible uh, <laughs> was the thing that you know what the story is already it does take some of the kind of jeopardy out doesn't it yeah i think so i think uh i think generally like the film is is really fun i think the film again it felt like it was kind of just supposed to be joining a lot of dots from what is talked about in the wider Star Wars universe about Han Solo, but in kind of a clunky way at times, like uh, doing the Kessel Run in 12... Is it 12 parsecs? Have I got that right? Yeah. It is 12. Rounded down. Another big Star Wars fan over there. Uh, yeah. But I didn't really 
like it didn't seem like that was particularly quick. Like that whole thing didn't seem like it was particularly brilliant. It was kind of like really clumsy. Tough to judge I, though, really. Yeah, but when you're sort of told <laughs> about, about how it, quick when compared to other. But when you're told about it in like scoundrels. a new hope, it seems like it's going to be this really like impressive thing. And actually, it's just him like bumbling through an asteroid field mm. by accident because he's going to get blown up in the other direction. Dave's got his digital watch out count, counting <laughs> yeah. parsecs. Not going. like 12 well, parsecs. Parsecs are actually a measurement of distance and not time. Mm. So I wouldn't have been able to get my watch out to do that. Nerd alert. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Ollie, what did you think? Well, I just thought pretty much everything about it was just great. Wow. Great. Wow. <laughs> Only gave it seven and Didn't a half. Didn't give it a ten. <laughs> no, I did, great. Not amazing. Great. Like better than good. Great. <laughs> <laughs> So, like, great action, great pacing, uh, great cast. Uh, just, I thought, great, great fun, yeah. great fun. I, like, I just, I really, really enjoyed it, and um, yeah. I was, I was a little concerned about it going in, and I was, I was very, very pleasantly surprised how much I enjoyed it. For me, I felt like I was much more in the Star Wars universe than I was when I watched the Last Jedi. Mm. I think that one of the words you used there was fun, and that was the big thing for me. And again, not to constantly compare it to The Last Jedi, but the big contrast for me with The Last Jedi was, although one of the things we complained about in that film was all the humour, and we were annoyed about how much humour there was in it, or like bad, bad jokes, humor. And bad humour. Um, but generally, the overall tone of that film was very heavy, wasn't it? Very serious, quite sort of, had this sort of portentous atmosphere. Luke was being really grumpy, um, you had Kylo Ren with all this sort of stroppy teenage stuff. This film just kind of understood that it was there to just be entertaining. And I, I thought it was really fun. That um, The train scene was that very... Was my train favorite scene, scene was great. Yeah. Yeah. Very, very exciting. I thought I thought the stuff on the desert planet at the end, or the kind of beach yeah. planet, yeah. was really good as well and really tense. There were a few bits as well that in some ways, if you kind of take a step back from the film, we'll think about it afterwards, you think, well... You can sort of see that, that they're almost trying to manipulate the audience, like the bit where he go, where Han goes, "I have a really good feeling about this," you know. But it got me. Like I, I just I found that really. I I had a smile on my face at that point in the movie, and and I was kind of smiling throughout. Do you, do you, I felt as wow. well like it did. Um, <laughs> it's come to tone in a second, at some yeah, point. I was just sorry. I was just gonna say that um, what I really liked about it was that for me, I think it works. As on its own as a film, as a, as opposed to it trying to squeeze itself into the Star Wars universe, I think as an individual film, I think going to watch it maybe as maybe not a Star Wars fan or someone who doesn't know the Star Wars universe as well would really enjoy it just mm -hmm. as much as a Star Wars fan would. It's just a really great piece of entertainment, yeah. I think. Tane, what did you think? Yeah, I well, I gave it seven and a half, so I, I really liked it. I really liked it. I I don't really think it was like didn't need to be made in some regards hang on wait wait say that <laughs> you said about six negatives there but yeah go on <laughs> no, i don't think it needed to be made it wasn't it, it didn't really offer anything new it, the storyline kind of went from bit of han solo history to bit of han solo, of sort of the the stuff that is mentioned later on yeah and in a really clunky way mm -hmm. so like the way that chewbacca appears and then yeah, as you say like the the, the mm. kessel run all that stuff that said, everything in between, I just thought was absolutely brilliant. Yeah, the, the train sequence was my favourite bit of the film mm -hmm. by a long way. Just so creatively done and imaginative. And all the, yeah, the, you know, we've said it in the past, like, you know, you, you, it'd be great to see like a Star Wars version of the West Wing, like sort of the politics of the, mm. uh, of the galaxy and all that kind of stuff, or a Star Wars version of, I don't know, you know, another a small part of real life. Uh, but yeah, I, I just love the opening and then the way it kind of dropped him in the, uh, you know, when he signs up for, uh, you know, to go off and, and fight and, and try and get out. But the way it sort of just drops you straight into that battle. Mm. And it's like, it's almost like a sort of saving Private Ryan. Yeah. It's kind of, it's like utter carnage. So yeah, I, I just thought it was, yeah, absolutely superb. I thought that was quite good actually. Yeah, because that's not mentioned, is it? In the later Star Wars films that he has that insight into the empire from like going and actually working for them for three years so that Work, is, working for them just doing you just know turning a you know turning briefcase a putting in a shift yeah. Yeah. punching in punching out but yeah. yeah so every little bit in between the just like it was yeah it was quite uh obvious plays it was mm. like oh we've got to go and get that uh what's it called chromaxium coaxium coaxium 
Oh, well, yeah, we'll have to do the Kessel run. Oh, I wonder if it, yeah, no one's done it in faster than 20 parsecs. I wonder how quickly he's going to do it. He's yeah. got to win the ship off uh, Lando Calrissian. Yeah, exactly. Game of all cards. that stuff. Off who? So all, every bit that joined it, I was like, ugh. But then every bit in between, I was like, yeah. So, so yeah, I agree with that. So I guess kind of that's almost the point that I want to hit on because I really enjoyed it. I don't want to be cast out as the bad guy for giving it half a mark <laughs> less than everyone else. Um, Kylo leg. But I feel like they, yeah, they just trapped a bit too many of the bits about Han Solo's backstory into one film, which looked like it took, although there's yeah, that three year bit where he's in the, the empire, but otherwise it looks like it takes up about sort of five week five weeks of his life. Mm. And that's all the backstory that you get when you meet him later on, which is what seemingly at least 10 years later in a new hope. Mm-hmm. It's, that's, yeah, everything, that's everything that defines him just comes from these sort of five weeks that's true um but yeah really good fun i thought the uh the bad guys it was back back to having a good bad guy as, again with paul bettany mm. as well and woody harrelson's sort of turn as we say spoiler alert but that was maybe only a bit of my negative of the film was that although i thought paul bettany's character and villain was really good it, there wasn't maybe enough of it like i felt like he only popped up a few times and I was thinking maybe would the film benefited of a bit more screen time and a bit more villainy, a bit more darkness or do you think that maybe the no more the light comedic fun side of it sort of yeah. was more welcome? Well, what I would say about that is in, without again talking about it too much, The Last Jedi, you get loads of Kylo Ren and that just slowly makes him an awful villain and again, the more you see of General Hux, the worse he becomes as a villain. Whereas in The Phantom Menace, you get almost none of Darth Maul. And I still look back and go like, oh, Darth Maul was a really good villain. He's barely in that He's film. probably in it for about eight minutes. Yeah, he? exactly. Yeah. And no, when he turns up in, point. in this film, I'm like, ah, oh, wicked, like Darth Maul. Spoiler alert. Yeah. It's, it's, no, it's a very good point. I, I think, I, I know what you mean, because, particularly because Paul Bettany's performance was so good and he's so kind of menacing, isn't he? One of the things I was thinking was, oh, maybe it would have been good to have more of him but i actually you've convinced me dave i think you're right i think just having like a few mm. a few sort of snatches of him was all you really needed i also linking into that what you said tone about a kind of star wars version of the west wing one of the things i really liked was as you say that we we see some of that kind of uh that other side to the empire that we've maybe not seen before you know we've obviously have seen a lot of the emperor and vader and the kind of the upper echelons yeah. the, the white house of the of the empire but we've not necessarily seen that kind of lower down the system and one thing i really liked was on paul bettany's ship you see those kind of imperial officers having drinks at the bar with the kind of criminals and just it's it's just a a couple of shots and almost in the background and i thought that just kind of hinted towards something that kind of corruption sort of obscene corruption going on and and there was just enough of it didn't focus on it too much but it just was it it made it quite interesting i think all i said about um how maybe there wasn't enough of the villainy in it one thing that I really, really enjoyed about it was how much of the film there was um, Millennium Falcon and also Chewie as well. Like in Last Jedi, Chewie is barely in it. And for me, like the Millennium Falcon is one of the most iconic things of Star Wars. And I loved in this one how much you got to see it, how much time they spent in it. Just like when they all come in the cockpit for the first time, I just got really sort of nostalgic and just really, really enjoyed that. And obviously you get to see a lot of, well, not to say a lot, but a bit of Chewie's backstory and his allegiances as well. I just really enjoyed how much those two things were in that film. Yeah, that was that was very kind of reminiscent of, of the originals. Isn't it? And, and and yeah, as you say, I, I was pleasantly surprised by how much Chewie there was in it. And, and he, yeah, him sort of going off and kind of saving the other Wookiees and stuff. We should talk about the performances. Uh, a lot of scrutiny on Alden Ehrenreich's performance. There, was, there were rumours that Disney had to bring in an acting coach onto set because they were so concerned about his performances. We haven't really talked about this yet, but there's a lot of kind of turmoil around the production of the movie, wasn't there? With Ron Howard being brought in uh, to replace the directors. What are their names? Uh, the guys who did the Lego movies, uh, Miller and Lord. I can't yeah. think which one's called Phil. Okay. <laughs> One of them's called Phil. Uh, so with Ron Howard brought in to, to replace the, the previous directors, there were lots of negative rumours kind of circling around the film and that was one of the one of the big ones was that there was a lot of concern about Alden Ehrenreich's performance. How did you think he held up? Did you did you sort of buy into him as Han Solo? Yeah, I was I was really pleasantly surprised by his performance because like after reading those reports and rumours, I was a little concerned going in. 
Um, but I, I thought it was really, really good. He just portrayed so well all the like characteristics of Han Solo that we've sort of come to know. Sort of cocky, charismatic, reckless, arrogant. Yeah, I thought he carried it really well. I mean, like early on, the the, the sort of the, the start, I was like, oh, I'm not sure. But by the end, I was, Sorry. yeah, I was hundred percent with. Yeah, and I think what I liked is that he managed to portray a sort of bright-eyed, bushy-tail version of it. So not sort of too downhearted as he is when you do meet him in A New Hope. And he's kind of got that sort of world-on-his-shoulders sort of um, feel to him in the in the original trilogy. But in this, it's kind of before all that sort of gets him down. And he's still got that kind of wide-eyed yeah, yeah, optimism about... Still chasing love across the galaxy. It's quite a tricky balance to strike for an actor, isn't it? Doing enough of an impersonation that people believe it's the same character but not making it a caricature or he definitely made it his own i think i think i think it's interesting what you said there about the fact that there'd been lots of production issues because i thought what was amazing is that you just don't see that at all in the film i felt like with rogue one i could feel like their production yeah disturbances in that in the force of that film like it felt littered with where there'd been clunky production handovers and it felt like a different director had edited it yeah. to the one that had made it. It felt whereas a bit stitched fil- together, didn't it? Yeah. Whereas this film actually felt like this was the film as it was intended to be made, mm. whether by the original guys or, mm-hmm. or by Ron Howard. Overall, I I think to an actor, they all were really good. I, I, I had no issues with any characters. I thought they were, it was a really nice mix. They sort of yeah muddled together really well on screen, kind of seemed natural. And and yeah, the word I think we've used a lot is fun. The only the only thing that kind of I was like oh, was Warwick Davis. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, I was going to bring that up. I'd almost forgotten. About I was that. just like because it, it's just I, I I'm not a massive fan, of, and it really annoyed me when I was just looking back at who the celebrity cameos were in the Last Jedi. It really annoys me that like in the build up to these movies, it's like oh look out for you know I don't know you know jensen button in the background in this scene it's just like as if i was a director i wouldn't i'd be like i don't care if you're a star wars fan jensen you're not coming in my movie and it, you know obviously the the bit that warwick davis played was such a non-event bit it was obviously he's a big star you know it was just jensen button's such an obscure oh, i'm just trying to think of someone who might reach for that so daniel craig's in the force awakens yeah. isn't it? and the uh, that's the one i was the thinking princes of, yeah. are in the latest one as well yeah. aren't they yeah. but i think the thing about warwick davis is quite weird is he's already in star wars as wicket is one of the Ewoks. So I think, why is there bring a thing him back now for this? That he's actually in quite a lot of them. I think he was in Force Awakens as well and possibly in Rogue One. I could look it yeah. up, but I, I think maybe there's like a thing that it, they're trying to put him in lots of Star it's Wars a bit movies. like Stan Lee of Star Wars. I, ju- I just think it's a bit naff. I don't know. <laughs> Having said it was really funny. I think that was the only moment that the three of us actually laughed out loud in yeah. the cinema. And we did, and we all looked at each other as well. We're just like, "What the hell is he doing?" Because he, for anyone who doesn't remember, he's it's right at the end of the movie, isn't it? As the uh, Enfys Nest, that was sort of Mm. supposed to be the the seeds of the rebellion, um, as they're kind of packing up, ready to go, (laughs) (laughs) de-rigging. He he turns to that girl and goes, "That's it, all loaded." (laughs) It's just like (laughs) the most pointless cameo. I do like the idea of him kind of practicing that in front of the mirror. You know, "That's it, all loaded. That's it." All loaded. <laughs> there's, a, there's a particularly funny <laughs> bit uh, in sort of the end sequence where they're cornered um, by the what were they called again? Sorry, the what the group called? What Emphis Nest? Yeah, the Emphis Nest. And uh, Solo steps forward and says, "How we you know he's got all these people on on the ship ready to go and help them out." And then it just takes off and flies. I thought that was really funny. Yeah, that, that did make good. me laugh. Yeah. Um, we're on the performances. One performance that. I really enjoyed it. And I've, the more I watch her, the more and more I enjoy watching her as Amelia Clark. I just find her so watchable now. She, I don't know if you've seen many interviews of her, but she's so funny and genuine and just nice. And I just feel like that's how she plays her characters as well. I was interested to see what you guys thought of her character arc in it. How she went from the beginning having these big dreams and aspirations. And you're still thinking that sort of pretty much the whole way through the movie till right at the end, spoiler alert, where she... Um, speaks to Darth Maul and then takes off and leaves Solo. So I didn't really like that whole end bit actually with her. I found that a little uncomfortable with how they set up the character the whole way through. And I get that it's so that for Han Solo and his character, it's like never trust anyone. You're always going to be betrayed. But there was no real indication like he's grown up with her his entire life. 
he's then rekindled this romance they've had another good experience together and she's just like nah i'm heading off and it doesn't really it didn't really make any sense i didn't really buy that so why do you think she went that way like why do you think she was it the promise of power and uh, this feels to me like one of those things that will that we already are seeing and we'll increasingly see in star wars movies which is things that are left dangling that are being set up for future movies i did that would be one of the weaknesses for me was that it did seem like you know she says oh you wouldn't believe some of the things i've done and it's only been like what three years Mm. not that that's you know not a significant amount of time but it you know it did feel a bit like well we're going to see we're going to get a sense of what she's actually done and why you know what this transformation has been in her character or maybe not after the box office well this is it so so now because the film hasn't been that well received it might be that there isn't a sequel a direct sequel to this so we don't ever find out and therefore that is you know in future years you'll look back at that and be like well that's quite a weird bit of that movie that yeah yeah it's not dealt with at all it was a head scratcher a bit for me because i was just like i can't really remember and you know you know me i can't remember much but i can't really remember i was like trying to think what like what does darth maul do or like where does where does that where where does that where does that domino piece join into another domino piece the darth maul bit was weird it just felt like they hadn't had a lightsaber so needed someone to turn up and flash one up because that's what he does isn't he his little hologram he's like just remember (laughs) i've got a lightsaber you had dryden's little lightsaber dagger things yeah that's not a full lightsaber is it but the Darth Maul thing is interesting because I, when I left the cinema, I was really puzzled about that because I haven't watched uh, the Clone series or the Rebel series. I tried getting into them, but I just couldn't do it. And I was like, I really can't understand why Darth Maul is there because in the, was it the chronology yeah. uh, of how things work, he's already dead. But what happened apparently is because he was cut in half by a lightsaber, because of the nature of a lightsaber, it caught is it cauterized the wound right as he was cut in half then he fell to the bottom and using force managed to eventually get himself out of the tunnel system eventually ended up on some odd planet nerd alert where he built himself robot legs over a period of 12 or 13 years and then came back to get revenge on obi-wan kenobi and then somewhere this film is set around then really good knowledge you i don't yeah, really know brilliant. much about Darth Maul, but the entire, the entire story no, I went and read, I went and read what happened because I was like this doesn't make any sense to me real advocate for him he went through a lot it was it was a nice surprise though as well because I wasn't expecting to see Darth Maul in that film yeah and one thing it made me think is because I don't know what happened in Rebels someone's gonna just give me a call when this goes out and be like yeah he dies he fights Obi-Wan mm. Kenobi and that's the end bit of Rebels but it felt to me like they were saying like remember Darth Maul he could come back in the final film of the trilogy, the other main one, because everyone is wondering... You mean episode nine? Episode nine. Is there going to be a big car- bad guy now? Or is it just Kylo Ren and General Huck sort of like... I don't know what that is. That like would be quite dodgy buddy film. weird if he does come back. I mean, this is actually... One of the things I thought about that is that when, you know, when Paul Bettany says, oh, you know who I work for, you know, this kind of... This, uh, this there's always a bigger... Sense that there's some chief. big villain orchestrating all this i thought it was going to be snoke because we mm. actually talked about this in the last jedi yeah. podcast it's such a weird bit of the last jedi that snoke is killed really abruptly and we don't actually find out anything about him and i think you said dave i really hope that it's not kind of all played out in solo or some of the other spin-off films and i agreed with that at the time but actually it would have made more sense to me in this movie yeah. had it been snoke a lot more sense the fact that it's Darth Maul is like, well, how does that fit in with the whole Palpatine, Vader? Like, if Darth Maul was still alive and, you know, alive and kicking during the days of the Empire, like, what, how does that fit in with the whole there's only two Sith? And, but I guess I mean, maybe we're thinking too much about it. That's possibly yeah. the answer to this question. And but. I think if we learned anything from The Last Jedi, is that if you think too much about things that are left open from, let's say, The Force Awakens, prepare to be disappointed mm. with how they're resolved in the the next film you watch and it also if you think too much about things on the basis that well they've obviously worked out what is the most kind of logical and sensible and satisfying story here mm. that's not the case at all it's just <laughs> you know what's what's gonna you know make the most sense sort of financially what's going to give us more movies to make and that's yeah. what it is isn't it before we go any further do you want to hear patrick's review 
Yeah. 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 Okay. I really liked it. I thought it was a very good film, and I thought it was an extremely enjoyable film. Just great fun, pretty much from beginning to end. I thought the main guy was excellent. I thought he did a great kind of impression of Harrison Ford. Uh, at times, kind of uncanny. There was a great moment near the end where he just does a sort of. He's got his hand on his hip, and he does a kind of hand movement that's just absolutely spot on um, impersonation. But also, he kind of made the young solo his own thing. The whole film is really funny, like genuinely funny this time, not like the limp, tedious, wank humour of The Last Jedi. Woody Harrelson, I mean, just put Woody Harrelson in the film, it just makes it better. I think he's one of the best actors in the world. Uh, I thought the Lando Calrissian performance was great, very cool, exactly what they should have done with that character. The whole film was just really likeable. Uh, I thought it didn't matter at all that it wasn't on a huge scale as an end of the world, that it was just a sort of personal story of a smuggler and pilot. I liked more or less everything in it and enjoyed it from start to finish. And actually, I was glad to not know much about this film going into it as well because I didn't even know that Ron Howard was directing it. And it was all good fun, but it had enough good characterization that we cared about the people we were watching on screen. And that was the tragedy of The Last Jedi is that they just had characters who had potential and then they just ruined it all. And it had no structure, no coherence. This one was just the opposite. It was excellent. The other thing that I really liked about it was the actual chemistry between all of them. Like, mm. it works so well. I thought it was so well balanced. Like, the scenes with, like, Lando, I see I remembered his name this time, and Han, like, when they're at the table, like, betting, like, the sort of banter between them is so well yeah. done. It just feels very natural and yeah. fun. And, like, I just thought the the balance of the cast and the way they all sort of interacted together was really, really great. Much better casino scenes as well. Yes. Not to talk about Last Jedi. Not to talk about Last Jedi. Well, I didn't mention it. I just said much better. <laughs> Could have been better than Casino Royale. Uh, before we move on, we, we should stop talking about performances, but we didn't mention uh, Donald Glover as Lando, and that was just dreamy. I love the fact that he had a cape closet in the Millennium Falcon. Yeah. I thought that was just really fun. He And sp- speaking of sort of impersonations and striking that balance... I thought he was doing a great Billy D. Williams. Yeah. He had the voice kind of spot on. It was very and believably again, the, the same character. Arrogance and the like sort of suaveness of his character as well it was all very. He was really fun. He was a I real. Loved it. Yeah, really, really good. Uh, one, uh, just to sort of say, not segue onto the next bit, but maybe onto the next, next bit. Because uh, <laughs> I was like, oh, you know, just, I was looking up Donald Glover just to see what sort of what he's doing next. Talking about films that don't need to be made. They're making a new Willy Wonka film, potentially with uh, Gosling and uh, Donald Glover. It's like an origin story of uh, Willy Wonka. Why? Why? What? 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 Like, (laughs) stop it! An origin story for Willy Wonka? Literally, the article I read was like, oh, uh, it really explores how Willy Wonka made all his money and became so fascinated. It's just like, shut up. That is such a shit idea. (laughs) Finally get to see how Willy Wonka made all his money. Do you know what I hate about that sort of thing? It's like, they're just stripping back all mystery. I know there's an element of it in this Han, this Han Solo film, but like in films where they do that, like an origin story for Willy Wonka. Willy Wonka is a brilliant character because he's enigmatic and you have no idea where he's come from or why he's like that. But he's just bizarre. It's the same with like Alien and like having Prometheus yeah, and whatever. What was the second one? The Alien. I can't remember what it's called. It's so unforgettable. The second prequel. Was it Alien Covenant? Covenant. That's it. Yeah. It's just like another it's like two films to explain how the alien has come to be and it's like the alien was much better when it was just a scary thing that came from no that came from something that sucked your face in the first (laughs) alien film like we didn't need an origin story for the alien Uh, uh, yeah exactly and that's why i said about this film it didn't need to be made because i don't think i I was i was slightly dubious going into it but the fact they did such a good job with it and it was so much fun and it was really just a, a really enjoyable film and i think you're right ollie it does stand alone yeah, it, it, I'm glad it has been made. Well, this is interesting because this does, Tony, is brilliant broadcasting there. This does kind of segue on to the next, next thing that we were going to talk about. It's quite interesting that this movie hasn't done very well at the box office, has it? I mean, in the scheme of Star Wars movies. Yeah, it's um, made over $100 million. It's, still it's made. lost money though, hasn't it? Right. It's lost money it's, so far. It's not made back the money that yeah. it cost to make because I think they estimate that with marketing, it, it's cost about $300 million to make. It's hard to quantify though, isn't it? Because whether it ends up on its own 
making money, mm. it'll probably be worth it from Disney's point of view because it's just building that Star Wars brand and the Star Wars presence in pop culture, which will sell toys and theme yeah. park rides and stuff. But anyway, leaving that aside, it's interesting that this particular movie has not done that well at the box office. I mean, what do you put that down to? Is it the thing that you're talking about, Tone, that people might well be asking, did it need to be made? Is that what it's about? Is it Star Wars fatigue? Have we had too many Star Wars movies? Possibly. And, you know, I said to my girlfriend, oh, you know, going to see Solo uh, tonight, the new Star Wars film. And she's like, another one? Like, what? Like, that she's obviously not, not a massive Star Wars fan. I don't know. I think there's a bit of a, uh, yeah, definitely a hangover from Rogue One, which I kind of liked, but it was very forgettable. And then, yeah, The Last Jedi, which I kind of liked, but I quite liked at the time. But again, quite forgettable. I think this is arguable. I think I gave Last Jedi eight. Yeah. <laughs> but anyway. I, I think you gave it a seven. Did I give it a seven? seven? Did I? Mm-hmm. Oh, good. I'm glad I gave it it's, seven. It's a shame because for me, personally, I think this one would be in my top four Star Wars films, I think. So Empire, Star Wars, Force Awakens, and then probably Solo. Champions League. But, and that's a shame because... Is that enough? The Arsenal of I think it deserves like a strong audience and a strong for and I think it deserves to be watched like I think it's a really great piece of entertainment and a really really good Star Wars film I think it's a good film but I wouldn't say it deserves to be watched I think it they shouldn't they, there's absolutely no need to have made it I really enjoyed it but I don't on in any way think that there was any need to make it and I agree that there is huge Star Wars fatigue this film's come out less than six months after a massive Star Wars film if they released a Star Wars film every two years, if they were this good, I think it'd be brilliant. We'd all leave the cinema and we'd have been like, that was great. I was really looking forward to a Star Wars film. That ticked all the boxes. Mm. It's come out five months later after The Last Jedi, which has already put people on a bit of a downer. Give it a bit of time. Give it a bit of space. But if, people, but if people don't go and watch them, though, then they won't make them. So there won't be the opportunity for them to be good. Well, good. Star because Wars, I did, additional Star Wars but films. But I would rather that they made one film every two years and it was good than they made four films a year and they were all good because I will get bored of it. Like I've got bored of the Marvel films (laughs) because the Marvel films aren't all rubbish films, but there are so many of them that I just don't care. But then a lot of people thought, and a lot of the critics thought, that The Last Jedi was a good Star Wars film and a lot of us on this podcast felt that it really wasn't a good Star Wars. So having to wait all that time for that film and to be that disappointed... I thought it was really great that Solo came along. And yes, maybe you're right, they're a bit of a fatigue, like they're trying to pump out a lot of them. But I was really happy that I saw it. And also, it really made up for what was such a big disappointment. Yeah, I know what you mean. After the after the toilet of The Last Jedi, <laughs> it has kind of restored my faith in yeah. in Star Wars in the, and in the Disney kind of version of Star Wars. But I but that being said, it was it was hard to get excited about this mm. movie. You know, I wasn't I obviously want you know, we went to see it because we were going to do this, but also yeah. I would have gone to see it anyway. But I wasn't like really looking forward to it. I mean, it's, it's kind of crazy that we've done six episodes of this podcast and two of them have been about Star Wars movies. It's kind like, of it's, like... It's the, not long enough in between. Yeah, I mean, I don't know how quickly this, you're going to put this out, but it's kind of like the, the current England World Cup squad of films, relatively low expectations, so anything. So even, as you know, we gave it 7.5, which is, that's a good film. But we're all like slightly buzzing about it. We maybe enjoy it more than the score suggests. Yeah. I, do you think if I'm they glad had, they made it in the end? Because do you think if they had switch, say switch it, say they'd made Solo last year and then Rogue One this year, do you think Solo would have got a better reception and audience because it was the first sort of Star Wars story? Definitely, film? probably yes. And what I can say about that is there was a year between the films there because they were going for Christmas releases. I don't w- understand what made them, the people at Disney, in their right mind, think that releasing a Han Solo film... No, you're doing money fingers. Yeah, it is. Look at the schedule for this Christmas. There's absolute rubbish coming out at Christmas time. Bumblebee is the big Christmas release, which is a prequel to the Transformers <laughs> franchise. Oh, God, yeah, oh I'm in. That, that's the big... That, and so why not release it at Christmas? Like, why mm. release it now, three weeks after the Aven- Avengers comes out, and a week after Deadpool 2 comes out, and a week before Jurassic World yeah. 2 comes out. Like, that is not a schedule that's friendly to a, a Han Solo film that no one really wanted 
Like, I, it doesn't matter. If it's the best of those four films, it doesn't really matter. There's just absolutely no need to make it and to release it at this time. I really enjoyed the film. I just think it's a, a really bad idea to bring them on up this frequently. I just, I'm really glad. Calm it, down, Dave. Yeah, you hated it. No, the only thing that's really good about it coming out now is that there is going to be at least a year and a half until the next Star Wars film. Yeah. So we can all just chill. We'll yeah. probably be excited for episode nine, won't we? So episode nine, yeah, it's slated for December 2019. So, mm. yeah, good 18 months away. And then there is this untitled Boba Fett film, which proved Fett, a Star Wars story. And it, uh, story. Story. <laughs> Fett. Fett. A Star Wars a Star story. Wars story. Is there a, an Obi-Wan movie Yeah, as well? there's an Obi-Wan interview. So maybe they might slide that in next month. Star Wars TV series there, as well. There's a TV series. And there's also I mean, two new trilogies announced. One by the guys who made Game of Thrones and, and Ryan Johnson's getting his own trilogy as well. So stop, but also stop announcing all these Star yeah. Wars projects. Work on them and just release them with two years in between it is, it's very much hashtag Star Wars fatigue isn't it I mean but one question I had that ties some of this together is you know we talked about the problem of this being a kind of prequel or sort of filling in the gaps of a character that we already know it you know is going to survive through multiple movies and we talked about the fact that it's uh, Star Wars fatigue and all that kind of stuff do you think that people would have been more excited about it if it had been Pretty much exactly the same movie, but not Han Solo, if it had been just a brand new story in the Star Wars universe. Because mm. whether or not this is going to be what they do with the other trilogies that have been announced, but I feel like they should move away from doing like backstories to characters that we were... I don't really care about Boba Fett's backstory, for example, but like, could they do something around like the Knights of the Old Republic, which is obviously a very popular video game series, but it's like set way in the past from the stories that we've known... Or something like that. That's actually like a brand new story that would be interesting. Like that solo, I agree with you, Tone. The bits I didn't like in this film were when it was kind of ticking the boxes of, you know, the stuff they had to get in there because we know X, Y, Z about Han Solo. If it had basically been a new character, I would have probably enjoyed it even more, I think. And I don't think it would have really changed the film all that much. Do you, do you, when I first heard about Solo, it was first announced... In my mind, I sort of pictured it as being a comedy because of the directors, like the directors of the Lego movie. Well, Anna, sorry also, to interrupt, but isn't that that's one of the main reasons why those two directors were fired from the project was because they were under the impression that they'd been hired to direct a comedy. Well, this is, and when I first, that's why I was not particularly excited about it because the idea of a comedy Star Wars film, I was like, <clears> mm, not too sure about that. And obviously with Donald Glover being in it as well, like he's associated with comedy. So maybe... Because of that, the way that it was initially set up and maybe marketed, maybe put people off that it wasn't a like serious, you know, Rogue One kind of thing. It was a more lighthearted, funny. And in fairness, like what they've come out with is not that. I mean, it's got funny bits in it, but it's not, I wouldn't say it's a comedy. It, is, it feels like a Star Wars film. But do you think maybe that initial announcement and then sort of way they portrayed how they thought the film was going to be is maybe what put people off and less excited about it no i would say i, w I would say no because i think people would want a star wars film from a star wars film and i think people would expect that this is a star wars film i don't think a lot of people will be as into what's happened with the production of the film or who the original no. directors were like most people just see a trailer and some posters and hear their mates go oh there's a star wars film out and yeah go but it wasn't there was a star wars film it was that as I said, when it first announced, it it came across to me like it was going to be a, a funny Star Wars film. And that's why I wasn't particularly excited about it. It looked like it had a, a comedic direction to it, which I wasn't that buzzed about. Yeah, no, I think that's there's, there will be a, a few people like you, I think. But I th yeah, I think Dave's right. Though. Generally speaking, yeah, there's such a, a long amount of time between the announcement mm. and the film coming out. And mm. yeah, I don't know how many people will be following blow by blow the, yeah, the production process. I think a With, lot of people would, because there's so many, and like there's obviously we've all said there is generally star wars fatigue but i expect there's a lot of people out there who just so love it love the series so much they just love every like the, like marvel everyone but those are the but what i would say to you is that those are the people who have gone and watched the film so the mm. the audiences that will have turned up to watch this film are the people who already star wars films when we were in the cinema on a sunday night on the second week of release mm. at 6 30 the only other people who were in there were all older than we are, mm. like much older in a lot of cases. Mm. There were people who grew up with Star Wars 
a new Star Wars film is out, there'll be people who follow Star Wars and go and watch it. But I think that the general mass audiences, the people who've probably grown up with maybe, say, Marvel films or Jurassic World type films, Transformers, those are the sort of people who I think are probably turning away from this film. Mm -hmm. And I think that's where potentially they've got the balance wrong in terms of their marketing. And that's why I was saying about the film's placement in relation to the other summer releases is strange because mm. it's fighting against blockbusters, big blockbusters, big blockbusters. Yeah, they did put it up against Book Club as well. So, oh god, that's yeah. probably harmed, fantastic. Harmed some of its uh, <laughs> box office a receipts. Film about a group of women reading Fifty Shades of Grey. I think Adam's right though that about you know there's so much great. There's there's a whole kind of yeah there's a whole galaxy of potential material there which they could kind of work around yeah maybe it's time to to move away from you know you know obviously the last jedi was all kind of old characters too many old characters possibly uh and you know obviously we're looking at what's what's coming up the boba fett film i mean that's even more you know it, the the casual star wars fan or even the person who doesn't know much about star wars will probably know about han solo and Harrison Ford, but I mean, Boba Fett wasn't was barely in the <laughs> yeah. the original trilogy. That is a bit of a Willy Wonka, so like, isn't it? yeah, is exactly. That, like, I, who, who cares? No one's gonna be banging door on the door to definitely find out. gonna be Tom Hardy playing Boba Fett, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> Another mask. <laughs> also, we've already seen a bit of his origin story, haven't we? In with Django Fett, Jan- Django Fett. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> we haven't mentioned much about. We haven't said much about Ron Howard. I would. I'd be interested to know with the Ron Howard thing, like how much of the film was his direction as in how much had been done before he joined the party. And I like, read that they reshot about 80% of it, really? which is quite a lot, and, isn't it? And if you think that the rest of it is probably CGI, mm. that means that he, they pretty much reshot yeah. all of So the, it's his film then, if it's Ron Howard film. Well, yeah, the, the other two directors, I don't, I don't know why no one's looked up the names, uh, but the, the original two directors. I think it's uh, Phil Miller and Chris Lord. Is, I hope that's right because I haven't checked it. <laughs> they were happy to take to not contest a directing credit. They're, they're credited as executive producers, I think. So they kind of accepted that this was basically this is Ron Howard's movie. It was very clear that he obviously has a love for Star Wars, though, and understands the the Star Wars universe, what people love about it. But like, because that's what I found with Last Jedi, Ryan Johnson. I don't know, just felt like he didn't didn't really click with the Star Wars universe, mm. whereas I found Ron Howard, like he was clearly... Yeah, I, you know, I really I thought, I thought the, great the job. sort of it, visually and just the way it, the way it flowed. What other films me. has he done? Because he's obviously... Apollo 13. Apollo 13. A Beautiful Mind. Did he do Rush? He did. Dave's panicking because he got the names the wrong way around of those two directors. Yeah. It's Christopher Miller and Phil Lord. It's <laughs> good effort, mate. The one sequence i didn't like at all was the giant like space octopus and the black hole kind of thing mm. I, oh, yeah, I just i was... just really i'm a big not fan that's the way of putting it <laughs> of uh, i just don't like like i really liked a lot of the uh the, you know the special effects that look great and, and the sort of human scale stuff as soon as a movie goes out of hum- of relatively human scale it just, I just think it, it loses it. And I just think it looked awful, that sequence. And it bored me. That was the only sequence that bored me. I agree. I could have lived without that. It, it's interesting, though, because that, in some ways, that's kind of homage to Empire Strikes Back. There is that kind of space. But I like that because on the that's, asteroid. You that's like one, it, the, the actual shot of the Falcon flying out of the mouth of the worm, whatever mm. it is, is pretty brief, isn't it? Whereas this was like a getting sucked in and all kinds of it was getting sucked in and you see all the tentacles and oh, stuff. I, I agree thought, yeah. uh, that was I that was probably the bit i was least involved in the movie mm. i think they were just reusing the cgi weren't they from that final pirates of the caribbean film where there's a huge <laughs> squid um well we should bring this towards an end any any final thoughts i definitely want to watch it again i thought it was a really good film yeah just released at an odd time seven and a half for me <laughs> <laughs> What about else? Seven and a half for everyone, apart from Dave. That's to spoil the party. Yeah. Thanks, Dave. Captain Killjoy here. All right. Cheers, everyone. See you again soon. Thanks, Adam. You're very welcome, Dave. Bye for now. Goodbye.
on the subject of cinemas, game change, by the way, Mallard refitted all the seats. Oh, now yeah. Now leather chairs. Really? Well, not the same seats, but they're leather. Yeah. Much more comfortable. Cooler. Or what, sweatier. No, they're really comfortable. Yeah, they were comfy, weren't yeah. they, actually? Mm. I had no problem sitting there for yeah. whatever it was, two hours, 20 minutes. Front row as well. Yeah. Yes, please. Front row is always a, front row. I'm surprised you guys are allowed in the Mallard after uh, savaging them <laughs> on <an> earlier episodes. <laughs> Do you have to book under a Maybe different name Maybe that's why they've got new seats for you. Yeah. yeah. It was it a cons- shame as well, because I was so close to securing that sponsorship deal with the Mallard. They were so keen. Constructive then, criticism. And then you guys yeah. came in with your complaints about the air conditioner. That's <laughs> summary. <laughs> I thought the first word you said was your review bored the millennium fucker <laughs> <laughs> for the listeners at home for the listeners at home Molly's just dropped his water bottle everywhere he was so upset by his his Lando problem <laughs> throwing water yeah. around the room just he's, hosing down he's got the kitchen towel out he's just mopping up well we can leave him to do that maybe and we'll crack on. And he's back. Oh dear. <laughs> Before we go any further, do you want to hear Patrick's review? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Okay, so it's just been a very brief review of Solo. Um, I Great so far. Uh, Where is he? Can you put the mic right down to it? Then I'll couldn't have it. Cut this out. <laughs> yeah, it just used like but 30 seconds. Yeah. This time, not like the limp, tedious, wank humour of The Last Jedi. He's definitely uh, in the library, isn't he? This one was genuinely funny. I laughed a lot during it. Um, Woody Harrelson. I mean, just having Woody Harrelson in the film, it just makes it better. You know, I think he's one of the best actors in the world. He's definitely wow. one of my favourite actors. And his range is incredible. Um, in this, he was funny, he was cool. Tangent. Yeah, I'll delete most of this. <laughs> Seven and a half pounds, I think it is the Will Smith one. He's in it for him. <laughs> <laughs> Woody Harrelson loving. True detective. I thought the Lando Calrissian performance was great. Very cool. Exactly what they should have done with that character. And the whole film was Cheers. just really likeable. Um, <laughs> I thought Paul Bethany was... Um, <laughs> 